0: subject to eligibility requirements rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park
1: when you buy Kroger brand products you feel like you're winning that's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices in fact We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products
2: taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning.
1: Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone.
3: Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance, helping you govern any AI as data models and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with Watson X Governance. Learn more at ibm.com governance. IBM, let's create.
0: This podcast is part of the How We Are Network. For information on this episode and many other like-minded shows, visit howweare.org. That's H-O-W-W-E-A-R-E dot O-R-G.
1: What's up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate all of you who are downloading the show. I know sometimes I forget to say that in other episodes, but honestly, this is an amazing journey. There are a ton of other podcasts out there. There are a ton of other things you could be spending your time doing, but you are hanging out with me, with us, with my guest, and that's awesome. I really appreciate that. Anyways, the guest this week is Mr. Matt Miller. He is a professional photographer as well as a veteran of the hardcore and punk scene. He used to play in a band called Most Precious Blood. And I'll just go ahead and say it. He is literally my favorite photographer around right now. He does weddings. And that is that is where he makes his money. That's his bread and butter, so to speak. And the way that he captures weddings are just unbelievable because like... You hear wedding photographer and you like want to fall asleep. Like, I mean, no one is looking forward to shots of a wedding or someone else's wedding, but you could pop onto his site. We are diamond and you can see the life, the love, like everything's that's that a wedding is supposed to inspire. And it's just completely poured over the page, over the print, over the website, whatever you want to call it. And anyways, I'll go on about Matt in a minute. Let's get some business out of the way. So I am, I'm fundraising right now there's a cool website called Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. And what they do is they offer an awesome service. It's kind of like a Kickstarter, except there's no time frame on it. So what I'm coming to you, the listener, is I need some money. I want some money to pay my editor to buy better recording equipment, basically to afford this show more of an opportunity to make this even more professional, because let's be honest, this show is super professional, and that's sarcasm, to make this more professional. And so, like I said, I'm coming to you, the listener, for that help. Visit patreon.com backslash XPurposeX, which is my online avatar for pretty much everything I've ever done in my entire life. So I figured it's it's not broken. It also combines the sort of, like I said, the Kickstarter element and the fact that there are rewards. So certain people are able to contribute X amount of dollars. So say say you contribute $20 a month. That will turn into some cool rewards. And I even have rewards where I will do an episode on you, with you. I will hang out. We will converse. We will discuss your life. And I will be curious. I mean, I'm already curious about people to begin with. But needless to say, there's a bunch of fun stuff. So I'll be pushing this pretty heavily for the next month. So if you listen to the show... I look at it like this. When you go to a live musical event, you're paying like what? 10, 15, sometimes 20 bucks to do this thing, to experience it for you know maybe three, four hours. All I am asking for you, $2 a month. How about you do that? So that's like what? 50 cents an episode? That's a pretty small amount. So and honestly, out of the thousands of people that download this show, if like just a fraction of you people decide to contribute, For one, I am humbled when people donate money. And for two, it costs you virtually nothing. If you do what? Two bucks a month, that's $24 a year. I've been doing this for over two years and I've been doing it for free. I'm not gonna change that. I'm gonna continue to do that whether or not you donate. But if you do donate you are becoming invested in this show and invested in independent culture in ways that, you know, honestly, other people aren't. And that's fine. But like I said, I'm pleading. My hat is in my hand. I'm saying, hey, put some shekels in here. Thank you very much. Anyways, enough of that that pitch. I'm really excited to introduce someone new to the show. I've tried to bring friends on in the past to do recommendations for music. And it's been hit or miss as far as like their own schedules, my schedules. Now I am on point. I'd like to introduce to you Mr. David Anthony. He is a writer. I think his official title is like head digital manager, something like that. But he works for a amazing website called the AV Club. And basically, that's like my favorite pop culture destination. It covers music, movies, TV, anything you care about from a pop culture perspective. They're covering in a very unique voice in a way that you feel like you're kind of hanging out with all the people at this particular site. And it's it's something I really trust. If I want to see a movie... I pop on there, I'm like, oh, they gave it a B plus. Looks like it's worth my time. So, anyways, Dave Anthony, I got in discussions with because he mentioned this very podcast on that website a few times, and I was just like, holy shit, like this is unbelievable. And I even saw little spikes as far as downloads are concerned anytime that site mentioned this podcast. So, anyways, what I wanted to do was bring Dave on to talk about some records. And that's exactly what we're gonna do right now. After we're done with that, I'll tell you about Matt. Here's Dave. Let's talk some records. Let's talk about the records you want to talk about.
4: The two records I picked were the Hotel Year Full-Length, uh, Home Like No Places There, that Tiny Engines put out, which came out earlier this year, and I was immediately taken with in a strange way because I was never a big fan of the Hotel Year when that was their band name. Like I always thought they were good, but it just didn't really hit for me. And I think Tiny Engines has, over the past two or three years, really established themselves as, in my opinion, one of the best labels that's around, just putting out, you know, really vibrant, vital releases by a lot of young bands and and really taking risks. Uh, A couple of years ago when they did, like, the Dikembe LP and, like, Signals West, Everyone Everywhere, like, those are some of my favorite, you know, young, new bands. So whenever they pick someone up or work with someone, I usually pay attention, you know, so I wasn't big on the hotel year and then this record came out and it just immediately floored me. You know, people have been talking a lot about emo and and all that over the last couple of years. And I guess you could say it falls into that realm, but they just kind of have this like punk edge to them. Like there's not a lot of like, you know, noodling intricate guitars. It's a lot more straightforward and from the gut and the lyrics are a lot more political. and, And that really resonated with me because it felt that You know, there was this band who's been around for a long time and was kind of, you know, I guess always running alongside these other bands and they finally, you know, made their huge statement and I got to see them live a couple months back and they were just so tight and the songs really hit again and, and felt fresh. Like it was, I was in this period where I was listening to the record almost every day and felt I was going to burn myself out, which I'm always nervous about doing when I get into new stuff and, uh, Seeing them play just started that whole cycle over again. Just you know, the lyrics resonated, and you know it was just this uproarious experience. You know, they're singing about politics and, and suicide and loss and, and all these things, but you know, the room just felt tied together. It's like we were all going through this experience together. Yeah. And by the end of the show, it's like we all came out the other side together, and that's that's a record that I think is is really important and. It was great to see, you know, Pitchfork review it and give it such a high grade and and so many places pick up on it. And I just hope people by the end of the year don't forget about it.
1: Yeah, no, it's always hard. Yeah. When you have those records that come out in January or February, it's like, can I remember that? Like your average person, that's not like you or I, that keeps a running list going on. <laughs> like, yeah, we, and some people are just like, oh, did that record come out? Yeah, I, I'm definitely along the same lines as you, where it's like I didn't really, honestly, I maybe listen to one or two songs of the Hotel Year when they put stuff up, Mightier Than the Sword, but yeah, yeah, like it, it's funny because I, I always have to sort of compartmentalize bands in my own head before I can like move on. I mean, not move on, but just be able to. Uh, appropriately look at them through the right lens. And so, for me, just because these dudes are from like outside the Boston area, I immediately liken them to a band like Piebald, but obviously, as you illustrated, lyrically is way more serious, um, but has that element of of I guess fun that's incorporated because it's like they kind of throw everything in a blender and that kind of comes out to what they sound like
4: yeah no absolutely and I think Pieball is a great reference point that like I've never really hit on and that's kind of why I love talking about like records like this where I have this very defined formulated opinion Mm -hmm. and you're like oh it's like Pieball, and I'm like oh shit yeah it is (laughs) Pieball.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's totally yeah. I I I agree with you wholeheartedly. Where it's like when you just look at it through a little different prism, it really does kind of open up a whole you know new can of worms. But yeah, I I really like the record too. When you just start to see and feel like you know, I definitely come at it from a perspective of where just because I do sort of work you know behind the scenes of a lot of stuff at record labels. You start to hear people talking about them from an industry perspective of them like, oh, dude, this guy picked him, up, picked him up for like a booking agency. And oh, yeah, man, all these labels are talking to him. And it's like once you start to hear that, you know that there's something on the horizon for them, like not even just like from an industry standpoint, but like they're going to be out there for a while because they, they have all these people interested in them.
4: It's one of those things where it's like I think a lot of people – don't understand that side of the industry, and for me it's really you know because I get to see parts of that in you know with totally. who's writing about them and you know even just like who is premiering the track or streaming the album yada 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 but like for me that's that's the most exciting thing is because I love seeing a band that I'm obsessed with and you know or is doing something in the scene I care about and comes from you know similar-ish backgrounds getting press for doing what, you know, this community has always done. That's, that's really important. And, and my entire goal has always been to like champion things that, you know, I'm excited about and I think are important because, you know, I want to show someone their new favorite band and it's not because I, I'm so great, but it's just, I understand there's an audience out there that might not get to it any other way. And it's cool when you see a band like them, who is around forever under a slightly different name make this change kind of i wouldn't say redefine themselves but finally figure out what they were always trying to do and then you know blow up from it and rightly so and and it's just great to see that people outside of punk and hardcore and indie and emo and in this bigger realm are are starting to take knowledge of this stuff that people have been doing for for so long it's heartening oh absolutely
1: well yeah and what was the other uh that well i don't even call it an album but you know a demo for all intent and purposes
4: well yeah and i, I feel super pretentious like picking like oh it's the band's <laughs> demo on cassette but i picked the band's demo on cassette it's a band called earth girls who are one of my favorite young chicago bands going now it's it's members of a lot of other bands uh the singer liz uh was originally from boston played in libyans moved here started playing with a band called broken prayer who are in my opinion one of the best um, Chicago hardcore bands going they just have their very own unique sound uh she plays keys in that band and gives it a weird like very angry exploding devo kind of sound and they're just really really fucking cool but uh this is her singing and playing guitar. Um, Joey Capel, who's in Boilerman and in Broken Prayer, plays bass. Vince, Vincent Aguilar, who's in Please and Thank Yous and the Valentines, plays second guitar. I don't know what their drummer does because I'm an asshole. But uh, <laughs> that's, that's most everyone else's resume. But uh, yeah, um, a friend of mine, a guy playing a, bl- a band with, he hit me up. This is probably like back in February. And he's like, Hey, uh, there's a show ha- happening. Um, I think they are playing with radiator hospital who are another fantastic band. Um, but, uh, he hit me up. He was like, yeah, it's their first show. I ended up not making it, but like they put out the demo and I found the band link, and I was just obsessed with it, just super taken with it. And it's just this great like garagey pop punk kind of sound. They remind me a lot musically of a lot of the stuff that was coming out of Texas, you know, even now, but more so like 10 years ago with bands like the Markman and Obn 3s and and a lot of that kind of stuff where it's just very straightforward and driving, but super hooky. And it, right now, like Chicago, the past week has had our first stretch of good weather for the first time in like eight months. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's crack 60. So like we're all out wearing shorts and having a time. And like that's just been my soundtrack to that experience. The, the second song, 14 Years, is is to me just like this beautifully crafted. And it it's a total pop song it reminds me of something you would hear like come on a jukebox in the 60s just with like the way liz sings and everything about it and it's just five songs that are just like no bullshit and just kind of come out of the gate you know and, and rip through and are just so tight and for what's happening you know a lot in the city so unique because it, it either skews like George super hardcore or you know, emo-y weirdo kind of stuff. So it's cool to see a band just like be like, "All right, no, like we're a pop punk band, and we're gonna be really, really good at being a pop punk band."
1: Right, right, yeah. No, I I was t- completely unaware of this uh, until you sent it to me, and it was a uh, yeah. I mean, all those descriptors are totally perfect, and it's it's one of those things where I'm so I'm so bad at streaming stuff online to like actually dedicate my time to it, even though I do sit in front of a computer all day. And so it was I listened to it about two or three times, and it was like, "All right, I got it. I'm ready for more." Like I yeah. I, had I, already digested it and I had already been like moved forward with it. So which is a good thing in a certain, to a certain extent, but you know, it's, uh, it, it does. I mean, and obviously it is shorter. I mean, it's like what, 10 minutes long, if that.
4: Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a super short EP. Um, I know grave mistake is putting on a seven inch for them sometime in the near future, which I'm really excited about. But, uh, I saw them play two or three weeks ago at a house here called 86 bets. And, uh, like they were the first of four, first of three and just were absolutely mind-blowing. Like, there were maybe 15, 20 people there, and they just were so energetic and just so good. And it just, you know, really indentured me to them because, you know, it's, it's cool to be able to see a band like that who relatively quickly has gotten, you know, I wouldn't say a lot of hype outside of the Chicago metro region, but, uh, you know, are getting on bigger shows, opening up for bands like Swear In Here and Radioactivity, which is members of the Mark Men. So they're quickly uh, kind of you know, finding their audience, and, and that's really cool to see, and I just, I, I think they do great things, both in this band and, and with what else they do, uh, so because it's so good, that relieved, uh, relieved, my, relieved my anxieties about picking something that would make me sound like, oh, well, you don't have the tape, man, so like <laughs> I'm glad you were cool about
1: that. Yeah, no, no. It's, it, it, yeah, you do, you do always run that risk of like, oh, yeah, just the first seven inch was the best. Everything else is terrible. And it's like, <laughs> you, yeah, you don't want to be that guy. But yeah, yeah no, I mean,
4: it, it, that, that's, that's totally a product of being someone who's like really into music, you know, just always running the risk of being like, they're like, oh, well, you've, you, did you hear the demo? Well, the demo is the best. And like, uh, sometimes it is, but I love hearing a band in that really raw early gestational stage and then being like, holy shit, like I cannot wait until they put out a full length. I can't wait until they put out a seven inch. I can't, you know, and kind of following and growing with them, which is something that I think is very important to this culture and community and scene and scenes or what have you. And it's just something that, you know, when I find a band, even if it's just, you know, the first song they've ever put out, if it's a good song, I'll tell all my friends about it, you know, and try and convince them to go to a show and hope that they continue down that path. And if not cool, well, you wrote a cool song. That's right. better than most of us.
1: Well, uh, yeah, I, those are two great recommendations and I'll include the links, uh, in my, in the, uh, the show notes that I, uh, will put up on the website. So I appreciate your time, Dave. Thank you very much for your first contribution.
4: <laughs> cool. Thanks for having me, Ray. It's been a pleasure.
1: So yes, hopefully you enjoy that from Dave. We'll be doing that probably about once a month. So look forward to it. And thank you, Dave, for contributing and being a fan of the show. So like I said, Matt Miller, I love his photos. They're incredible. I love the medium of photography. And he was gracious enough to drive down to my house after a photo retreat in Southern California. I just loved hanging out with him, loved talking with him, has a great perspective on where he sits at in his own profession, where he's had to adapt in his own life, and just so many cool things for, you know, uh, I wouldn't say tips and tricks, but basically just things for you to take into your life, learn from his mistakes or his experiences, and basically build cool stuff on your own. Because essentially, that's what I want you to do as just a inspirational person who likes to make things as well did i just define myself as as inspirational that came off wrong regardless you get my point so let's just get to it here's matt i'll talk to you afterwards First introduction to you. I mean, I it was weird because it was one of those things. I've been aware of you prior to our first interaction. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if you remember our first interaction. But, where was that? Well, because we've, we've never met. But yeah. First interaction over email.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: Was when I hit you up about that terror layout. Yep. S- setting up the story where it's like terror. I mean, they, they basically turned in that record completed to yeah. me when I was working at Century Media. You know, I mean, being a hardcore kid, like you just see whatever. You see live photos and you're just like, oh, like, okay. Like yeah. someone did something. Yeah. And then I can't remember I, – I can't remember if you hit up Century Media, just like the info at com or whatever. But it was brought to the attention where it was like, hey, that's my photo in there. Yeah. And it was like – because and typically those sort of requests, they don't go unheard. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things where it's kind of like, who is this person sitting – but then I once I saw your name, I was like, oh, he – Clearly Matt should be taken care of. And so that he was one of those things I was scared to be like, oh shit, I don't know how this is gonna work. Like, is Matt gonna be super pissed? Like, how is this gonna work? And then like, because obviously it's not gonna come back on terror. Yeah. It's gonna go back on me. (laughs) So, but you were and fortunately you were awesome. It was super easy to deal with, and it was like that just made not like I had a negative impression of you going into it, but it was one of those things where it was like, Oh, you're reasonable. Like, because some it's weird, because some people they're one way when it comes to just how they are as people, but then you put just like even a little business in there. Yeah, I think it's weird. And they just, they're like, you've, you've changed.
2: Yeah. Like, and But yeah, you're, you're, you're very consistent, so good job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I remember that photography is what I do for a living. Yeah. And it's almost 100% wedding photography. I still do like some portrait stuff and of some, course, some yeah, music yeah. stuff. But uh, I don't really make a lot of income from music stuff just because right. I know the money's not there. Of
1: course. Well, li- but, li- yeah, live photography, like, yeah. I mean, it's hard to be like, yo, this is what I do and, yeah. like, I, I get paid for layouts. Yeah. Like,
2: n- not very many people do that. Yeah. And I, d- I definitely don't need to charge right. for it because it's usually my friends and, and mm-hmm. whatever. But the, literally the only reason I charge, like, if I see something in a layout or on a t-shirt and I hit somebody up. So it, reasonable. <laughs> but I, the reason I do it is for the photographer behind me. It's like the kid who's who's just starting out and actually needs money to buy another lens or to fucking a good buy a CF card or something like that. Yeah, if I'm yeah. giving all my images away for free, I'm setting a precedent that the guy behind me who's just starting out yeah. and he's like, oh, the, I, I guess, guess this guy, everyone before me, gave right. away their images free. I guess I will, and yeah. then. He's burned out and broke and right. shoots all the time and then he's yeah. screwed. So. Right.
1: In my experience within independent music, I've always believed that it's like, there. no one should feel guilty about getting paid for stuff. Yeah. Cause, and that's always the the stigma that gets attached to independent music and mm-hmm. punk and hardcore. Where it's like, oh dude, no, 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 it's cool. It's cool. Everything's free or everything's like, you know, $4 or whatever. Yeah. I believe there's this middle ground of like, okay, I know you're not going to charge me a premium price. I know, like, in writing you, I'm like, I know that Matt's probably not going to be like, yo, dude, I need, like, $1,500 for this photo. Yeah. Yeah. But at this, on the on the complete flip side, it's not going to be that, like, oh, that was cool, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> so you got to like, find that weird middle ground. Right, yeah. find that middle ground of, like, you need to be compensated for this. But at the same time, like, you know, they're, they're, it can't swing that other direction. Yeah. It's, so it's like, oh, man, because then you're just... Then you're not a human. You're just like a corporation where you're just putting stuff into you, and it's like, oh, here's my output, and yeah, totally, yeah. <laughs> it is. It is weird, but I, I was glad that interaction did go another way, where it was like, oh man, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to bum you. I didn't do anything, <laughs> but I'm gonna have to be like the vehicle for that. Totally. Born and raised, were you? E- o- always East Coast? I had no idea where you Yeah, come
2: I was actually born in upstate New York. Okay. And then six months later, my parents moved to Atlanta. Oh. So Oh, I- so you had roots in Atlanta. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. So I grew up in Atlanta, and then, uh, you know, that's where I got into punk and hardcore and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, put on shows and, and, and whatnot, and then eventually moved to Brooklyn sure. in 99, I think. Sure. I had played in punk bands in Atlanta and stuff like that. It's a funny story. Uh, so I moved to Brooklyn. I was kind of like the new guy. Yeah, they were all of like, who's, who's that guy coming well, to the show? Well, I, I knew a lot of people. Like, sure. <clears throat> I ended up moving in with Tommy from Silent Majority. He was like mm. my favorite hardcore band. And they would play Atlanta and I would book the shows and they would stay with me and stuff. And then I, you know, I was like, oh, I want to move to New York. He's like, oh, fuck, we need a roommate. I was like, oh, perfect. My life's going to be a Silent Majority song. It's going to rule. Like every day <laughs> we're going to go to the beach and like high five and right, right. <laughs> stage dive and stuff.
5: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We're sitting here. It's like June, and you're like, where has the time gone? And everybody's like, oh my gosh, I have no idea. I gotta like accomplish all these other things. Take a moment. Focus on the things that obviously, for one, matter to you, but for two, look back. Be like, what have I done well? What have I done not so well? And maybe I can, you know, ask some friends and family for some help, but where I have always gone to in regards to figuring out what I can do better, therapy. Therapy is an incredible tool at your arsenal that you can dip into. I've done it for my marriage. I've done it for myself personally, and I'm a huge advocate for what therapy can do for you because it is a third party that's able to look at what you can do to improve your life and be a person to help you along in your journey. And so I think if you were thinking And visit betterhelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash Ray.
0: Baseball fans.
3: And I moved there and
2: I fucking hated. it. I hated it. Immediately. immediately. How old were you at that point?
3: I was just turned twenty. Okay, twenty,
2: okay, yeah, there. yeah. The circle of friends that I that I knew there were like, oh, this is you know, this is man. He used to play in bands down there, blah blah blah. Right. And, you know, I needed a job, I needed, you know, some sort of connections or whatever. And people were like, Oh, well shit. And I got offered to be in three different bands within being there a week. I got offered to be uh Salama Jordy broke up like two days after I moved right, there. Right. Like he like I lived in a room off the kitchen Okay. it was like I guess a dining room it right? right. literally had a curtain Curtain. Yeah. and I had like a futon mattress <laughs> on the floor Sure. and Tommy just opens it up one day and he's like yo Tom Majority just broke out and closed it and I was like mother like I already <laughs> hate Long Island and then right. your band breaks up god damn it yeah you're like that was the whole reason yeah. <laughs> so Tommy comes in and is like hey uh, so and George breaks up <clears throat> I'm gonna start this new band called Blood Red Blood Red that's right I remember that and I heard the demo and it didn't sound like Silent Majority nope. so I was like I don't know and then uh <laughs> I knew Justin and Rachel from Indecision. We used to book Indecision shows in Atlanta all the time. Right, and uh, they had started Most Precious Blood. I had the demo, and I fucking loved it. Yeah, and uh, I remember uh, talking to Justin, or one of them, uh-huh. and they're like, "Oh, Rachel had played bass at the time." She was like really wanted to play guitar again, so they need a bass player. And I was like, well, fuck it. I kind of know how to play sure. bass if I know how to play guitar. I'm not a terrible guitar player. I'm a terrible bass player. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm just fun to be around. So, luckily, I get the <laughs> Yeah, you get this she- yeah. Which,
1: which a bass player is, like, the perfect
2: role yeah. for that. Where just I do like, really
1: know what I'm doing. I right. can
2: monkey see monkey do all day, and I can drive a van, so fuck it. Right, basically. right. And I'm, and I'm generally good to be around. <laughs> and then uh, the girl that I was dating at the time, this girl, Julie, was like, uh um she was friends with this dude, Eddie Reyes, who was like in the movie life and mm-hmm. he was in uh, Mind Over Matter and stuff like right, that. Right, right, right. He had started this new band and they were kicking out their singer and their bass player was going to start singing so they needed a bass player. Sure. So I remember sitting in the car with Julie and me, I'm like, fuck, this is like, I really want to play. I haven't played music in like two years. My band had broken up in Atlanta. Right. And I was like, what do you think I should do? She's like, well, whatever you do, don't join Eddie's band because they, they will not go, right. go anywhere. Right, right. <laughs> and then that band was taking back Sunday and I was like so anytime I see her I was like remember that fucking great career she gave me
5: yeah remember that remember that fork in the (laughs) road where
2: I went down because of you yeah yeah
5: (laughs) you're like whoops about
2: that (laughs) No, but, I, like, I ended up joining Most Precious Blood, and, and then right. it for them, when it was right, like, obviously, right, right. I wouldn't change that for anything. Oh, no, no, for
1: sure. And so, the, the formative, I mean, basically, your formative years you spent in, well, why did they move to Atlanta? Why did your parents move to Atlanta?
2: My dad had a sweet job in the packaging industry, Okay, so he, uh, <laughs> I guess they make boxes in Atlanta, and uh, we actually lived in Atlanta for a while, and then we moved to Birmingham, Alabama, Tus- tuscaloosa alabama and then okay. back to atlanta okay so we why were we
1: you we born
2: in new york that's where that's they it. they were born my parents were born and raised in upstate new york that's oh okay oh okay i see what you're saying so then just shortly after i was born we moved on south got it got it so um yeah and then we moved back to atlanta and when i was in second grade from alabama okay so that's where right right that's where all. And, and you uh you have a brother right yep i have okay. a brother and a half-sister. My half sister got disowned when she was eighteen, and I Ooh, was like okay. five or six, and I literally, no one will tell me why. Like Ritz literally, some, yeah, some shit had to have gone down. Wow. But like, I'll ask my mom; she won't tell me. And I was like, I, you know, it's better off you don't know. So I literally have no idea what happened. I know she was a shithead, but I don't right. know. Like to what extent? Yeah, to what extent to like getting
1: kicked out of the family? Right. To be like no one, no one's going to speak of you or about why you're not yeah. speaking
2: to anybody. Super
1: that's highly. yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy that, that wall got put up around that.
2: Well, I remember one thing did happen was uh, she she wrote a letter to my mom uh-huh. and was saying that she was getting married. Okay. So then my mom sent her her wedding dress, my mom's wedding dress, okay, and money. And then apparently a month later she found out that that was just a lie she was Well it was a
1: ruse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting some money and get a wedding yeah. dress, I guess. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, apparently she is a shithead. So.
1: Right, right, right. That yeah, that's not that's not a move that people would do. Yeah. That are good. not
2: good people, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, um, I have a brother. He's two and a half years older. Okay, and uh, he's computer guy. And then he actually just opened a vegan bakery in Atlanta. Oh, amazing!
1: Oh, he so he's he's in Atlanta. He's in Atlanta so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. amazing. That's amazing. And so, how would you describe your uh, you know your your familial life, as it were? Uh, you know, was it uh, was it good growing up? Like, did you guys have you know? I mean, I'm sure every family my has parents are, problems.
2: My parents are awesome. They yeah. never fight. They're still together. Um, they were very hands off, though. Yeah like full on my dad worked all the time and was always out of town for like business meetings and stuff like that. Sure. And then my mom was just, you know, work 9 to 5, come home. Did she like,
1: work in the packaging industry as well? No,
2: she like did payroll for some... Oh, sure, just like clerical you know, work just and stuff. Shit. Yeah, 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 just nothing <laughs> exciting or right, meaningful. Right, right. Um and then she would come home from work and uh we had a living room and a den in mm-hmm. our house. Uh me and my brother would hang out in the living room and she would go to the den and literally put on soap operas and just watch those all night. Wow. And then yeah just you guys yeah we'd order pizza and just eat pizza and i would go skate and like go to shows and stuff like that as long as
1: so at that and basically it's like from i mean from the point of when you were probably like 10 11 i mean you were essentially just like watching yourselves yeah like there's, full on, yeah right right you're like <laughs> would your mom be so hands-off to her if she was just like ask you where you're going it was she just like oh, i'm doing this
2: mom like, yeah, see, yeah. i would just you know <laughs> but like i ran away a lot as a kid like if i ever Got told I was doing something wrong, and fuck you, and just leave for like three or four days. So, like that's your first reaction? Yeah, full on, just bolt, yeah. like immediately. Yeah. Not even like I'm not even hearing this. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was a, I was a pretty bad kid when I hit probably 14. Okay, so I was I was into skateboarding and punk rock and and all how that did, stuff. When I was get, like,
1: yeah, how'd you get intro to that though? That
2: sixth grade, some this dude named Eric Carrier was in my. Uh, <laughs> In my class. And he came in with his, like, you know, the side of his head was shaved okay. and, like, denim jacket was some fucking bullshit all over it. Right, right. And we'll bring his skateboard to school. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, dude. This is... Oh, okay. The day I fell in love with skateboarding <laughs> was I went with my parents to see David Copperfield in Atlanta. Dude, fucking yeah. love David Copperfield. <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah, yeah, It was at uh, this place called the, the Fox in Atlanta. It was downtown. Like, never, you know, I would never go downtown. We lived in the Burbs. Okay. And uh, dude skating down the street, like three or four kids, uh-huh. and just like all in down a curb and like shredding down the street. And you're like, what are they? Got? For like a second. And I was just like, fuck, what that's is it. That? that is it. Yeah. And we went to like, you know, the VHS rental place down from my house. And I oh, got like the but- Palo Peralta video, uh, public domain. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just watching that. And like, I had heard punk rock before, but then like seeing it with skateboarding. And I was like,
1: like that, yeah. those two together made so much sense. Ray like Bar- separately, yeah. That's Ray Barbie's
2: part, they, uh, it was McRad. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, Meadness. yeah. Dude, <laughs> it still gives me like, give me thinking about it gives me chills. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's how I fell in love with all that. But then, uh, my first show ever was uh, there were these local bands. One was called Act of Faith, and the other one was Crisis Under Control. Mm-hmm. And I had like their demo tapes or whatever. And sure. I was like, oh, you know, they're playing this show. This place called the Masquerade, and it ended up uh, they were open up for GBH. So my first. Punk show is GBH and of faith and crisis under control. Okay. And, uh, dude, it was awesome. Like, right. People just going completely bananas. And, uh, there's a lot of people there for GBH. Like the local shows are a lot smaller, but like sure. packed house, everyone's going bananas. Like my first stage dive happened that night. Like all that stuff. Like, was it, did, did you find, was the uh, stage dive executed properly? Were you, uh, I doubt it. Yeah, you, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it seemed really cool it. in my head, but like, I'm sure I just fell over and
1: right. People punch me is. in the
2: face and <laughs> you know, whatever. But there was like the gnarliest full on like the end of outsiders brawl okay. after the show. Oh jeez. Like skidheads versus like the hardcore kids. Oh and d- I had no like I had yeah, no you know, alliances right. yeah. Yeah. and I was just like, you know, then it was like grown ass men punching each other in the face. <laughs> but they were probably just like nineteen years old or yeah, something. Yeah. Like yeah. That. But like full force beating the shit out of each other. Right. But it didn't scare me. Like I was just like, Whoa, that sucks. But like right. yeah, you would like, still go to shows. Right. You're like as long as I'm just watching this. Yeah. Like yeah. But I just remember, you know, my first five years going hardcore shows, like it was like Nazis were there, like there was fights all the time and like all that shit.
1: Yeah, there was that, there was, I mean, especially it's like, you know, in the, you know, in in the 90s, there was such a schism where it's just like people, you know, you, you felt like you had to take a side. And that there was no understanding any other points of view. Yeah. I mean, that's to say that, like, you need to understand a skinhead's point of view. Yeah. Clearly. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's been proven. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, there's there's just those... Even within, like, the factions of, obviously, like, you know, straight edge, where it's like you had each each person's dedication to it was questioned yeah. because of whatever they were doing. It's yeah, it's such a, and then now it's like just such a hodgepodge of like, Oh, everybody's
2: into it. Yeah. It's like,
1: Oh, we, well, yeah.
2: But at one point
1: <laughs> it was kind of weird how yeah. that was, <laughs>
2: that was doing that. Well, um, I got to, I got to see the transition from like everything was at clubs then, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like even the local shows and then, uh, just us fighting our own venues and making DIY venues and doing, sure. there, was, there was a point for two years where it was just house shows. Like, right. Even like, you know, one away will play it, be in a, fucking living room totally but it was awesome well
1: because i mean a lot of those because atlanta while it's a big city it's still you know you obviously compare it to like new york or la and it's like you know it's smaller but so it's like i would imagine that you know having a you know solid all ages venue that was like hard for that to sustain for a long period of time i mean obviously now it's more established but you know it's like i mean you look at like las vegas and it's like all ages venue it's like forget about it yeah played a record store one year and then next year It's it's gone yeah why were you being a little shit? Like, were you just basically like, yo, I'm, I'm on my own. I'm fucking, I'm doing this.
2: Like, I don't know. I, I compare it to, I have a two and a half year old girl at home. Right. And I feel like she's starting to test Just saying no for no fucking need. I just don't want to eat. Yeah. It's like, no, you, no. You I, wanna, you, yeah. You, you're fucking hungry. I, I know you're hungry. Yeah, yeah. But I think just testing boundaries. Uh, I got really into drugs when I was 14, 15 years old. Uh-huh. Um, just exposed to it through peers and stuff. Yeah Shows just, and
1: whatever yeah, yeah
2: Not even shows It was just fucking Skaters I just wanted to be weird and yeah, yeah, yeah I guess the skate crew I hung out with Was into it Like I did a lot of acid uh, Smoked a lot of pot And stuff And then sure. uh, My brother and I Actually got put in rehab On a on Thanksgiving day Oh nice Yeah It was pretty rad Because we got really stoned And we are like Turkey okay. dude It's gonna be rad And then my mom's like Oh I gotta go to the store To get something and literally just kept driving. I'm like, whoa! There we go. And then, there we and go. then that's yeah. wow.
1: So that was a so. And your your brother, your brother was doing like that stuff with you, or like comp- you guys were completely
2: separate on that. And your mom was we like, we were. I remember getting my brother stone for the first time. It was pretty amazing. Uh,
1: so you introduced your
2: yeah. That's
1: a good. Awesome. That's
2: amazing. Yeah. But yeah, we had different sets of friends. Like I was more into skateboarding. He was like more like just long hair metal. Oh okay, actually, yeah, 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 for sure. But yeah, we would definitely get stoned a lot together and stuff. Right. But uh, yeah, we got we got put into to rehab. We were away for two and a half weeks, and then we had a outpatient thing for about a year. Okay. So we, we had, had to, to
1: like check in and stuff like that. We or... had to go to AA,
2: and I had to have random drug testing, and then we had to do family therapy. Yeah. Did the you family think... therapy? People were saying that you know our unit wasn't tight enough, and that's yeah. why I was doing. Right. It was. So stupid.
1: I mean, at that age, you don't have any perspective in general. Yeah.
2: But, like, did you feel – did you feel like you had any, like, loss of control or anything like that? That was – like, literally, we'd have to, like – so the crappiest thing was is – My brother and I are two and a half years apart, Mm -hmm. and they wouldn't let us be in, like, the same unit together because they thought we would, like, start a gang and just fucking kill people. I don't know. (laughs) Right, right. But uh, they literally had us – they had to have us separated, but they have you separated by age. So there's adolescence, pre-adolescence, and whatever, farther down the line. Right. So I had to be in the pre-adolescence while my brother was in the adolescence. Okay. So I was – 15 okay at the time and so i had a I think the cutoff age was 13 for the pre-adolescence okay. so i'm like way yeah two two years doesn't seem like much now but like then yo like, it's yeah. huge
1: then yeah so dude
2: i was with like kids who were like yeah i hear piano noises at night my fucking dad touches me like just
1: yeah real weird.
2: deep yeah, yeah, yeah but like young kids who don't really know what's going on of course and my brother's like with people with fucking tattoos already and fucking shaved. Ha- like I would see them leaving lunch while I was going in. I'm like, right. He gets to hang out with the fucking cool, like the punkers, man. <laughs> yeah, I gotta yeah. hang out with, <laughs> I identify with. Yeah. That. <laughs> I, I'm hanging out with kids that like wet the bed and like don't totally. know how to fucking eat. <laughs> oh God. Right. Right. Yeah. Because
1: it's like, you're looking, you're looking at it from the perspective where it's like, you know, if you're, you're going into this situation, obviously against your will, but you're, you know, you didn't feel like y- your, your mom was obviously heading you off where it's like, okay, yeah. clear. Like Some we see point. the, right yeah. and like. It, the people that you were surrounded with i'm sure were obviously so much worse off as far as like they had been uh you know whatever it, it had been long festering yeah those issues where you're just kind of like well i'm just dicking around for like fucking year like yeah. you know doing stupid shit and yeah so i could see where it was like oh my god i this is i'm in this weird middle ground
2: <laughs> well i just remember being like you know they would put us together in circles and be like yeah. Ta- let's talk about our problems right and they were asking me like you know why, why are you here? And I was like, oh, I like, I like to smoke pot. I love doing acid. Like, yeah, 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 Whatever. And they're like, why? I'm like, have you done it? It's amazing. Like, yeah. I'm yeah. having fun. What the fuck is the matter with that? Like, <laughs> right, right. You like watching football. I like getting stoned and right. eating potato chips. Like, what's the matter with that, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. So I literally had to, like, bullshit my way out of being in rehab, which sure. is like... I just feel alone, man, and just, like, you know, yeah, I like told hit, them what they wanted cli- to hear, you know? Totally. Hit every cliche. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, literally got out. I think the only thing that got me stopped to stop doing drugs was random drug testing. Like, if I got caught with anything in my system mm-hmm. within that year, I would be, like, put in juvenile or whatever. Like, they had, a, like, a right an escalation. Of, yeah, 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 yeah. So, I was like, fuck. It. And then, the, I remember the day I stopped doing drugs was I did a few, like, fucked up things while I was still under... Drug testing, like sure. We we're like huffing Freon and stuff like that at one point. So yeah, I'm, like yeah. behind my parents' house, there's like a concrete slab that holds our air conditioning units. Okay. we get yeah, a trash bag. Open the Freon gate on the back of the thing. Oh, yeah. And the would, like fill up a trash bag. And uh me and these two dudes who are like sick boys, like the social distortion, like yeah, yeah. pompadours, white shirt oh, tucked in, those two dudes. Yeah. Uh, greasers, right? Yeah. Right. So we're just huffing too so stupid. We're right. huffing freon behind the house. <laughs> And it, uh, it makes your voice really deep when you do it. Like, it totally just destroys your brain and oh, you're yeah. out of your mind okay. for, like, 20 seconds and then whatever. So my friend Glenn is doing it, and he, like, takes this huge hit of Freon, passes out, hits his head on the concrete slab. Right. And, and like, it's all muddy back there, it just raining or whatever. And he gets back up and he goes, I've never felt better. And it's, like, really deep. He's drooling. His eyes are glazed over. His head's bleeding. And he's covered in mud. Right. And I'm like, fuck it. This is just fucking super Where have I gone? Why am I here? This isn't fun. This is just pathetic. That was one of the,
1: yeah, it's a sobering moment yeah. where it's like, especially if you have any sort of insight where it's like, oh, this is where my life could go. Yeah. It's not going to go anywhere yeah. good. Yeah.
2: I was having a great day before we got here. Right. Like, why didn't I just continue doing that? Why am I hanging out behind my house? Right. Fucking to poisoning find... my brain and watch just drool on each other. Totally. Stupid, totally. Yeah. Trying to find, because, I mean,
1: that, <clears throat> when you're doing stuff like that, that's definitely like, you're becoming more creative for a high. You know, yeah. you're like, oh, how about we do this thing? Yeah. How about we do this thing that clearly is like the worst thing possible yeah. for us? As opposed to like, oh, yeah, here's your standard fare drugs. Like, yeah. no, let's go to Freon. Yeah. but <laughs> it shows you're creative too. Yeah. <laughs> I presume because of all of that, you like could give two shits about school.
2: Yeah. I, uh, it took me five and a half years. I actually graduated high school. Okay. Um, That's I, gradu- good. I graduated in summer school. Okay. In a lunchroom <laughs> with like 14 other, other losers. Sure, Dude, sure. It was so sad. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all, all my friends were there, and like you know, they're like Jim Johnson, and be like, like his two parents in the back, like in a yeah. fold-out chair or whatever. Oh no! And then they call my name, and like my friends like printed out streamers and like right. threw. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> it was so funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, I was. Ter- I remember my first year of high school, and you know, there's two semesters. First semester, I passed PE. Okay. And nothing else. Sure. And then the second semester, I passed art, and then nothing else. <laughs> So I failed my first ninth grade year. Okay, and then every other year was just fucking skimming by. Just oh sure, yeah. I didn't give a shit about school. I didn't care about anything they were teaching me. Like you're like I there's nothing relevant to yeah, here. Yeah yeah, all. Um, all I cared about was skating and sure. going to shows and stuff.
1: And so at that point, uh, I mean, so as you as you once you actually graduated, is that when you obviously started to be like like did playing in a band was that like. A thing you had
2: to do or was that something that was just obviously a byproduct of what you were surrounded by? Um I'm not, I just said earlier, I'm not a good musician. Right. I don't know music theory. I can't fucking, <laughs> Right. I don't know anything about, but, you know, I can write a five chord punk song, you know? Like, right. I learned how to play three chords when I first, like, I took one music class when I first got a guitar uh-huh. and a guy taught me how to play like Hotel California or something. Sure, sure, sure. So I know like couple the couple chords basics. that are in that and right. I'm like, all right, fuck it. And I was like, What's a power chord? Mm-hmm. And he showed me how to do that. And I was like, all right, I'm done. Yeah, and then done. never took anything else. <laughs> Give me the basics. Yeah. And then just learned how to play, you know, Minor Threat and Sex pistol songs and stuff. And mm-hmm. then, you know, started the band a week after that. So, so when did you, what was your what was your first band that you actually played a show in? Uh, we were called One Way. Okay. And, uh, ah, shit, how old was I when I started that? <laughs> probably when I got out of rehab, Jesus Christ. Sixteen years old. Okay, was my first band. Sure.
1: Um, or stylistically, what were you trying to go for? It's just to, really bad youth crew. To, oh, no, okay. I was yeah, I was like, gonna make that inference,
2: but I was like, it yeah. could go another way. So well, it's the simplest to play. Like of metalcore, they're at least getting a little bit, you know, pinch harmonics <laughs> yeah, so, and shit. I do not know how to do that. So right, like, right, 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 right. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. It. Perfect. So you know, I listened to like instead was like probably my favorite, Mm-hmm. and that's. I just ripped all that shit off. Right, right. Yeah. You're like, how can I rearrange this to sound yeah. to fast right, even... breakdown? Got it. Cool. Got it. Got, um, it. got it. So I did that band for a couple of years. Like we actually did two two tours. Mm-hmm. Um, oh wow! Were, oh, this terrible. Like, like I mean, East like yeah, what, I just went out the East Coast, played like five shows, but you know, still like, like, in Vermont or something like that. Still, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was cool. It was fun. And like people I met on that tour are I've still, still friends. Yeah, this yeah day. still run into. So. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's the one thing that I always find so. It's like when people when people tell me that they have like the touring experience like on the level that obviously both you and I have had. it's just I, I nothing makes me happier because it's like you find people that you're still in touch with you know whatever 15 years later yeah. and you're just like and some of those are, are the most smallest and inconsequential like oh I remember meeting you in fucking New Hampshire at this awful show with five people yeah. and you were one of those people. And we're still friends. And that's, that's
2: insane. Yeah, That was uh, Pete, bass player from Bane. Right. Had like some terrible fucking metalcore band. Yeah, yeah. We literally, my band played, right, and then we gave them our instruments, and then they played, and we literally played for each other. We were the only people at the show. Right. Just looking at each other. Just, this good is so job. Dumb, yeah. Right, right. This is, What
1: are we here for? Yeah. How, how far did we drive?
5: Yeah. yeah. It's it's so no.
2: stupid. But yeah, you don't ask yourself those questions. And then, uh, this is probably 97. Okay. 96 or 97. And then playing shows with some terrible band in North Carolina and ended up being the guys that ended up being in the first step and oh, Okay. Uh, it was yeah, yeah, just yeah. like so we and we're all still friends and Totally.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. Really it's such it's such a cool experience. Yeah. So obviously by the time you graduate high school, I'm sure
2: where you you just be like,
1: All right, I guess I'll just find some jobs and just kinda hang out yeah. and
2: like just worked at health food stores. Okay. Like, no ambition, just
1: Piecing stuff together. Yeah, just yeah. working
2: at a burrito place didn't matter. I made mean, enough money to eat and right, just play skate and right. buy a couple of records and that was it. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. We used to we had a, a warehouse we all lived in in Atlanta. had like a four foot half pipe in it. Did shows okay. out of it. Like built our rooms inside it and stuff. Was that where? Was that where like uh, Ezra and all those dudes from the? They lived across. Like there, it was like a a train trestle that went in between. It was where trains used to come from. Yeah, and just to drop off stuff in the warehouses. So they're like – like you open my front door and you're looking at their front door. They're I just – when I, when I toured with those dudes, it was just
1: one of those things when they were describing to me and like not only where they lived but obviously like this scene that was that was in Atlanta. It was such – I was like, you guys are living – I'm like, that sounds amazing. Like for, especially for the – just the sort of like you know uh, creative uh, impulses that can be expressed in like, oh, we're in a warehouse. You can fucking paint. You can do graffiti. You can skate. Like.
2: Yeah. And it was just, it was uh, awesome. I'm sure it was awesome. It was awesome until, so, like, yeah. <laughs> well, there's so much space in a warehouse. Yes. There's one bathroom. Yes. So we had six people that were paying rent. Sure. And then uh, a lot of other people. We had a trying. ramp. Right. And then we had like a loft area above like three of the bedrooms. It was just like 20 couches up there. Sure, s- sure. Whatever. And everyone was reading those Crime Think books at the time. Which is huge, like super inspirational. Totally. Not very practical. Dumpster diving, S- yeah, yeah. Totally. So everyone was like, yeah, dude, we're not fucking, we're going to be off the grid. Yep. So everyone stayed at my house <laughs> and ate everything out of my refrigerator. Yeah, yeah, Was taking my clothes out of my washer and dryer that I brought there and oh. would just like throw it on the floor because they had to wash their clothes. Sure. And like just. Yeah. It's just think- mooching off everything. Like totally. We only paid like $100 rent there. Right, right. But so like fuck you. Like totally. I know you're. I know what you're doing. Grid, right. You're keeping it real, but you're piggybacking off me, totally, and not making it cool. like yeah, yeah, yeah. literally pissing me off. So I was like, of course, I had to like kick like ten people out of the house. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's you mix that sort of
1: youthful idealism with the practicalities of like being a pre adult. Like yeah. it, it just all starts to crash, and it's like, oh wait a minute, like. Maybe maybe I can not do all of these things and I'll still be productive. Yeah. Uh, So when did you start to feel the the I guess the more creative urge to like I mean what because what actually inspired you besides a
2: space in New York City to actually move up there or was it just Uh, a a girl? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had this idea to write a book a long time ago. Okay. Never.
1: Never never materialized.
2: You still have a draft of it somewhere? or Anything? Uh, I have really bad notes written down. So basically, what I wanted to do was just leave Atlanta. Okay. And travel and, you know, same crime thing, like... Sure. you What are you going to, like, train I, hop and stuff like I that? I was going to train hop. I was going to go in my car and just, like, barter for food at, at restaurants and stuff like that. Like, wash dishes and, yeah, yeah, and yeah for food. And, like, try and lose the identity I had from when I was a kid until then. Sure. And then I did that in the winter. So, it was, like, I got, like, five days into it and it was, like, snowing. I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to start, like... <laughs> Cold calling friends, being like, you know, I had a friend in New Jersey, and right. then he has a friend in Boston, and blah blah mm-hmm. blah. And I actually stayed and met tons of new people and met like a whole series of friends. Sure. But during that, I met this girl, Julie, and that's who I moved to New York for. Okay, got it, got it. Yeah. So yeah, there was, a, there was an anchor you could throw up to that was yeah. like, okay, that's that's yeah. where I'm going to go. I was living in the warehouse, and you know everything was just fucking frustrating. Right. And uh, so like I need I need a change. I need something different. And right. I was like, New York sounds cool. Like right. whatever. And I moved there. And my fantasy of New York was New York City, not Long Island. No. Long Island. So I got to Long Island and I was like, this is just one big mini mall. It's miss. like the burbs of Atlanta. Yeah. But 90 times more expensive and frustrating to get around.
1: Oh, of. dude. Forget. Yeah. Like, yeah. Long Island Expressway. It's yeah. you're just like, what, I,
2: hell. Just like awful. Yeah. Just to get to anything cool. <laughs> and like, I was coming from Atlanta where literally every kid was vegan straight edge. Yeah. And like. We had shows in my house and I had a ramp that was, like, I opened the door to my room and there was a half pipe right there. Right. And all we did was skate and eat burritos and fucking drink soda and, like, just <laughs> to be jackasses. Right. And I moved to Long Island and everyone ate at Chili's. Right. No one was even vegetarian. <laughs> just yeah. It just sucked.
1: It was, like, such a cultural removal from what yeah. you've been used to. I
2: was in Fantasyland and I moved there and I was like, wow, life sucks. Right. Right. Really bad. I was working at... Uh this dude Nick who's in Bayside now. Oh sure yeah was the manager at a Abercrombie and Fitch kids store. (laughs) So he got me a job folding t-shirts. So that was my job in New York was I folded shirts -shirts. for children at Abercrombie and Fitch. (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah yeah. yeah. I was fucking I was about to say that's that's kind of lowest low. Yeah. So then once I started talking to Justin and Rachel, joined the band. Uh Uh-huh. Moved to Brooklyn. Did you, like, did you
1: have, I mean, obviously, like you said, you still had an inkling that you wanted to play music, but did you, like, was it the- Was it your
2: desire that, like, yo, I want to link up with someone to tour
1: and, like, yeah, do that? Yeah, that's or, all okay. I wanted to do. Got it, got it.
2: I have no burning desire, desire to, like, create sure, sure. musical geniusness. Right, I know right, right, that's right. just not going to happen. But sure. I love touring. I love hardcore. I love meeting people. Right. I love just... The whole experience that's yeah, wrapped up all in it. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then there's another thing. It's like, I, I had nothing else... Right. I wanted to do nothing was calling me I didn't want to be a dentist I didn't want to fucking yeah yeah do anything right. I just wanted to be a, the the uh a dude right the uh the packaging community wasn't yeah uh, wasn't I was good it. I was good I saw my parents and I was like that sucks let's let's find
1: something else <laughs> let's let's do something else yeah those precious blood you know you guys went the thing that always blew my mind about the drive of the band was the fact that it was like even though you guys were for all intent and purposes like a full-time band from yeah. a touring perspective um, is that it never necessarily felt like it from the standpoint of, like, it felt like this was a vehicle for you guys
2: to just, like, travel and do weird shit. Pretty much. I mean, for me, From your yes. perspective, yeah. I wasn't the driving force behind any of right, that. Right, 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 So I don't know, like, you know. It just seemed like this big overall yeah, scheme of everything was, but right. that's all I wanted. Because to be. at that point too, it was it was that weird. It was that weird,
1: you know, early two thousands where it was kind of like you started to see bands in the community be able to like quote unquote make a living. You know, where it was like, yeah. oh, like maybe I didn't need to get a job in between this like month off between your you know whatever. Yeah. Um, but it, it never it never felt like most precious blood was like there. Were, I'm sure there were elements of that discussion in there, but yeah. there was never like where it's like, okay, here's the fucking business plan. No,
2: know? never. Right. And we, we I mean. <laughs> When sound scans became a thing and like marketing packets and stuff like that, we're like, who? What the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, here? this we're, is stupid. Totally, we never gave a shit about any of that because mm-hmm. we we knew that wasn't us. That wasn't going to be. Right. We weren't going to be a fucking household name. We weren't going to.
1: Yeah, you weren't going to have be posters. We're, right, yeah, right, right. we weren't
2: going to be signing posters after the show or anything like that. No one gave a shit about that. You know. Right. Right. We we were just angry kids that wanted to play music and fucking have some sort of outlet yeah. for it and travel and 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 right fucking. Get weird, you know? right?
1: right. <laughs> I mean, photography obviously started to consume you as you were in the band. Like you started to try. I mean, like not consume you, but you started to experiment with it when you were in the band,
2: right? Yeah, I yeah. never. I failed out of photography class in high school. It's perfect. Yeah, uh, I first I failed out of it. Yeah, and then I took it again. Okay, and then I got kicked out of it <laughs> because my art teacher was a fucking asshole. Sure, and just had it out for me. Right, and we had some photo project. And I did it uh-huh. and turned it in. Uh-huh. And then she's going over things. In front of the class is like, well, Matt got a zero because he didn't turn it in. And I was like, what? Like,
0: yeah, really? stood up
2: and was like, yo, I turned this in. She's like, no, you didn't. Right. like, got in a full on like argument and I called her a fucking bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then I got kicked and out then, of class. Yeah. And apparently like three days later, she's like sorting something on her desk. I was like, oh, there's Matt's thing. <laughs> and like threw it away. And I was like, fuck. You're like, cool. So I got kicked out of photography class and got put in marriage and family class. Oh, that's like that's like home ec, right? No, this is like for full on like pregnant girls. Oh, pregnant girl, yeah, yeah, and. It was the saddest thing ever, but literally the best class I've ever taken because I learned how to balance a checkbook. Right. I knew how to like... Practical stuff. Real life shit. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right, It was right. the only class I stood, stayed awake for in high
1: school. Totally. You're like, kinda awesome. oh, I've heard my parents talk about that, so I should probably pay attention yeah. oh, to this. budget. Okay,
2: rent. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually learned a lot in that class. That's amazing. How I got into photography was uh, I have a really bad memory. Yeah. And I want to blame it on doing a lot, of drug- a lot of drugs as a kid. Sure. I don't know if I just... Have right. a bad memory. Who knows? Right, right. But uh, like the first time we were going to Europe, that was like a big deal. And I thought, you know, at the time, I was like, "This is the only time we're going to Europe." and of we, course, we we're touring Madball. Sure. And I was like, "There's going to be some. Awesome I got stuff it. Yeah. yeah, I got documents." Uh, it was the very first time we ever were in a bus too. Okay. So I was like, "Yeah, I got to fucking hook it up." So I got my first DSLR, which was like Canon Rebels, like silver, oh, yeah. and like the kit lens and whatever. no, no idea how to use it. Didn't right. understand. Like, I didn't know what millimeters were for on a lens. Like, right. if you told me, like, a 50-millimeter lens, I had literally no right. idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and I had a 2-gig memory card. Okay. So I shot everything on small JPEG. So. Oh, of
1: course, because you can fit more in there. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. So <laughs> I
2: did the entire, like, every tour we went on would fit on one 2-gig card. So literally everything I shot is, like, fucking this. Like, <laughs>
1: right, like a postage stamp. Oh,
2: my God, it's so bad. Mistake learned, or lesson learned. <laughs> right, right, right. Um... But it was rad because I would shoot stuff during the day mm-hmm. and then just lay in my bunk at night and look through the photos on, on my camera. And right. be like, wow, these suck. Like, what, what did I do wrong? Right. And then I had right. the manual for it right there. So I would like oh, so cross-reference the manual and be oh, like, oh, shit. Oh, oh, that's why this thing. Right. As being a tourist and walking around and taking a photo of every single old-looking church yeah, for yeah. no reason. You know, sure. I was learning how to take photos and, and right. compose and all that stuff. And, yeah, And I just fell in love with it. It was awesome.
1: I experimented with photography when, I mean, as most hardcore kids do, like in high school, I was like the yearbook photographer. Yeah. And so just started to experiment with all that. But it was, it really did, it changed my perspective of like the way you, you see the world, yeah. like of like, oh, that would be a good photo. Like in a lot of people, like everyone, obviously, and especially in this day and age, views themselves as a photographer. Yeah. Like clearly, because yeah. everybody has an amazing camera at, at the, in their phone, but it matters. Like people take pictures. To obviously remember, but but the 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 distinction that I've always seen, where it's just like if you are like if you see a photo, yeah. like you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you know what I'm saying. You're talking about, but it's just like it, that that switch goes off in you, where it's like, oh, now I see how that should be yeah. captured, yeah. as opposed to just like, oh yeah, it's a fucking shoot over there. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I just need to remember that. But it's just it, it's cool that you had that obviously yeah. experience of just like
2: learning from the manual and by practice. Yeah. It was which cool. is like. <clears throat> Yeah, it was, it was cool to learn on my own and not take a class and not have to do any of that. But like, yeah. all of my favorite musicians, like, all of, like, the art that I really love, none of that stuff is classically trained. It's like, so, you kind of figure out the yeah. the rules or whatever, like, how to do the shit. Right. But the then, basics. like, you just figure it, like, you totally. just get weird with it, and then something right. comes out of it, you know? <laughs> right, you just suck at it for yeah. a long time. What you're saying about uh, the way you view the, the world, that zine I gave you a minute ago. yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I saw Ian McKay speak in, oh, yeah. uh, when I lived in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and uh, he did a QA and a at uh, NYU. Sure. And he comes out, and he's uh, he taking questions from the crowd. Away. The first question came out was, uh, what came first, punk rock or skateboarding? And then he talked about it for like 45 minutes, right. and I was bawling my eyes out in the crowd. Because, um, you know, I love skateboarding. it's right. it, it was my entire world. I mean, still, I just built Ramp in my garage at my house like right. last week. um But I never, you know, I can never pinpoint what it was that, that identified, yeah. Yeah, made it click for me or whatever. And he was talking about like the first time he got a skateboard and like went skating and like changed his world. Like he didn't see his, like his his town didn't look the same to him anymore. No, like yeah. if you're looking at here's curves, a curb. Yeah, yeah, it's like a set of stairs. Like everyone's like, oh, this is what I walk up and down. It's like, no, dude, I could like ollie down these things, shred down, it, and there's like a curb, and I'll oh, look at that embankment and like, yep. He said he would like ride in the back of his mom's car and just like look out the window and just imagine like riding a skateboard as the car is going. Along. Like yeah. everything that happened to me as a kid, just like you just imagine like skating down the curb and then oh there's this and yeah, this, yeah 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 you know, like it informs yeah it informs the way
1: that you view not only the world just like from like a you know new agey hippie standpoint yeah. but just like a practical like this is how I this is now how I structure my world totally yeah. yeah. Um, and so when, obviously when Most Precious Blood started to, you know, wind down, you guys obviously didn't want to tour anymore because it's a grind after yeah. a long time. Yeah. Um, was it difficult for you to kind of wrap your head around the idea of like, oh shit, this is coming to a stop. Like I need to transition out of this somehow.
2: Uh, I call it <laughs> the sick of it all syndrome <laughs> that I fucking love sick of it all. I oh, still great. think yeah, they're yeah. the best hardcore band ever. It's still so, put on a great show. Yep. But we tour with them a lot. Oh yeah. Guys, and yeah, yeah. so, I can remember as a kid, mm-hmm. venues that they would play in Atlanta and surround like if they would play in North Carolina, I'd drive to North Carolina to go see them, right? So, there's this fuck, I can't remember the name of the venue. There's a venue in North Carolina, like okay, Tremont, Tremont Music Hall, musical. yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. So, they packed that big oh, room, yeah. it was Sick of It All Strife, Cast Iron Hike, oh, and spectacular show, yeah, yeah. Sub Oh, great, yeah. just packed house, banana show, like best yeah. thing I've ever seen. Fast forward however many years we go back we play the small room and there's 13 people there and it's just like fuck and they they have nothing else
1: no dude when I because I worked with them at Century Media and it was one of those things that was so weird like when we were talking about like you know whatever launching new records and stuff it was always this really difficult conversation I mean Fortunately, they're all obviously awesome dudes, and they do yeah. have a clear perspective. They're yeah. like, "Yeah, I know why we don't do fucking tours in the states because it sucks balls. Yeah. We played for the thirteen people. Yeah,
2: but every time we would go with like over to Europe or whatever, and it'd just be like, yeah, festivals yeah. second coming blues. of Christ, yeah, yeah, amazing, totally. And I'm like, fuck the U.S., man. <laughs> I know, it, I know. Yeah.
1: And it was so, it was so weird to be because they they were in that position where it's like, okay, we can't go on a support tour because they can't pay us enough yeah. in order for us to keep things going." Um, but and and at the same time that when we if we do a headliner it's gonna suck because there's only gonna be a hundred hundred fifty kids in some of these places and yeah. it was like yeah you you get to that position where it's just like well we have to kind of make do yeah. with whatever whatever hand we're dealt and wherever we're maybe gonna sustain some sort of popularity yeah. it's rough it.
2: like when you make hardcore your life for that long yeah like once it starts to dry up a little bit it's like well fuck like, totally. Where do you go? They're, yeah, they're not going to take care of me anymore. It's like, no. you gave your life to this, mm-hmm. and then it's like, ah, I don't like to do record. Fuck you. Totally, like, totally. It's just such a bummer.
1: Yeah, it's just, I mean, it, it, it,
2: any entertainment or art, obviously, goes through that, but it's like, yeah, you, you do. Everyone should know, like, you can't make a huge savings on being a hardcore band. Like, no. it's just not going to happen. Even the biggest hardcore bands. Totally. At the time. Of course. Like, once it's done, it's done. Like, you yeah. could be sitting pretty for, like, a hot second, but, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: You need to have... Yeah. yeah, it's so terrifying to see, you know, kids... I mean, the, the perpetual myth of, like, being in a band and how that will sustain you for years and years. Yeah. It's like, you gotta have some other yeah. something. And not even just from, like, a practical, but just, like, you probably care about something else besides, like, headbanging on stage, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so I mean, some people
2: don't. And well, I did. Yeah, I definitely didn't. I had no. no <laughs> right, right, idea.
1: right. So you hit you hit that wall, and I'm sure it was terrifying.
2: Yeah. So uh, we, uh, you know, we all decided like we weren't going to be a full time touring band. So we had two tours left. We had fuck what was it? I think a European tour, and yeah. then we went to Australia one last time. Sure. So in between, I think before both of those tours, well, we had a conversation months before that, mm-hmm. before between like, that stuff. And I was like, "Well, fuck! I don't want to live in New York. Like, right? It's cool. It was cool when I was home for like a month at a time.
1: Yeah, yeah. And just I, pop in and pop out. Right. Yeah.
2: And I, I worked at some burrito place and in the lower east side and literally delivered burritos on my skateboard. Like it was <laughs> the like, perfect, perfect. in betweeny job. Right, yeah. You know? right, right. 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 And then, but I was like, "Fuck! I don't want to do that. Yeah. Every day and that's my existence and right. just scrape by and pay Brooklyn rent. You know? <laughs> yeah. So totally. like, there's no there's and I had no idea what I wanted to do. So it's like, any idea that you have in New York City, mm. like, oh, I'm going to be a fucking unicyclist that takes photos of naked people sure. down the street. There's already 20 people doing that. Totally, yeah, yeah, there's a group down there. Yeah, so, yeah. and they're already, they've saturated everything. You're not going to, that's true. Yeah. So, I was just, like it's just not going to happen. Um, right. I was dating this girl Danielle, who's a tattooer, and then any time I would go visit Atlanta, she would tattoo my friends Okay. and whatever. And then uh, those two tattoos are getting seen around town, and she actually got a job offer from a shop in Atlanta. I was like, "Yo, okay. no, if you ever want to move down," and I was like, "Well, huh? That- Atlanta's cheap, right? I know everybody. There. I'm pretty familiar, I'm sure I can yeah. find something to do there, right?" So we decided we're going to move back to Atlanta. Okay. I was going to move back to Atlanta. She's from New York, so we moved to Atlanta, and then right after we moved is when. I went to Europe and Australia and then came back and was like, all right, it's time to find a job. Right. And it was the deepest depression I've ever hit. Sure. I was about to turn 30.
1: Right. Well, yeah.
2: Obviously, I don't have a college education. I don't have There's no there's any you, skills. Right. I have literally nothing I want to do.
0: Right. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season.
6: Doesn't that like, spark a passion. Yeah, like
2: right. you ask a five-year-old, like, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they'll come up with 10,000 things. <laughs> yeah. And they ask my fucking dumb ass at 29, like, what do you want to do? Like, I don't, I don't know. I yeah, hate yeah. everything, you know? Right. Um... But people are always like, Oh, you should take really good photos. You should make some money from doing where that. Where
1: were you yeah, where were people seeing the stuff like just amongst friends, obviously. I started right. a
2: blog called okay. The Five Mile Grace and okay. that's when I started posting, posting stuff, like, yeah. Live band photos, sure, sure, Photos from being on tour or whatever. Okay. Um so I was like, Oh, I'll be a music photographer. Yeah. And then I try to get, you know, the movie life's coming through. Let me get some promo shots of them. Right. And then I would right. take some photos and then like talk to like their manager or something like that. Sure. And getting fifty dollars. Was yeah. like pulling teeth. Oh, dude! It's and rough. dude, fifty dollars would pay for like <laughs> yeah, yeah My not even my water bill. You know, right, like what right. the fuck? Like that's obviously not gonna right. This work. is this is a replicable model. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And those shoots would happen like once a month, maybe. Yeah. So it was like super weird and frustrating, and I didn't know what to do. So first job I got in Atlanta was at a bong shop that my friend oh, worked yeah. at. Right. And I was literally. I worked the graveyard shift from midnight until 7 in the morning. I got paid $6.50 an hour. Sure. And I was selling what was called incense burners, which basically people smoke meth out of. Right, right, right. So if you can imagine the people, number one, that buy meth yes. smoking <laughs> Met things, yeah. those who buy meth smoking things at midnight to right. 7 a.m. Yeah, yeah. of the sketchiest. It, it was like weird old men bringing in girls that looked like they were fucking 15. Oh, And be like, pick one out, and they buy one. And it was just like, yeah. Oh, Killing myself. Get, get me out of here. Just like right. yeah, just yeah. sitting there, and it just smelled like fucking yeah. hookah tobacco and right. farts in there. <laughs> like, and it was like this? purple carpet and black light shit everywhere. And I was like, <laughs> "What is someone this What did stab yeah. me in the eye?" Totally. I'm like, totally. so sad. Right. And then I met this dude Ray Jones in Atlanta, okay. who was from North Carolina, and he was a photographer. Okay. And he was doing a, a book called Faces of Straight Edge. Oh, okay. So he did a portrait series of of people who were straight edge and what they did. Right, the right. 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 So I found out about that, and I was like, "Hey, if you ever need a hand." I'm a budding photographer, blah blah blah. And he's like, Well, let me take your portrait. And he knew I collected old skateboards, so that was like his angle was like right. to have all my like eighties and nineties skateboard collection and take a photo of me with it. And uh we became friends mm-hmm. shortly after that. And then once his book got released, he actually got a job at New York Times. So he Based made, off that book. Not based off the book, but, but he was already a documentary. Okay, he's already talk. okay, got it. So but like, you know, right around that time sure. he got he got the job. So he was moving to New York and he was like Yo, if you want to, if you need work, I assist a wedding photographer and you could okay. do that. And all I could think of was like, how shitty. Yeah, wedding. this is, this. Yeah, that's yeah. awful. That's, but but uh, to be It's fair, better than selling meth right. pipes. <laughs> to be fair. Yeah. Kind of a, kind of a, mo- a better environment. Well, dude. So the meth pipe store, yeah. it was so bad there that the owner was like this really fat, weird girl. Yeah. Who was a like crackhead. And sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. Had like, Sampling the product. Would just like. <laughs> have like 30 people in her entourage and they would just come in and be like, I just like take all these shirts and like take sure. Haul's yeah. I just barrel out, just go, out. Yeah. Just yeah, go yeah. like the strip club and just blow my, she had like a giant Hummer and it was just like a piece of shit. Right. So basically she was running out of money and when we would get paid, you had to run to the bank
1: to cash that check, to right. cash
2: the check because like if wow. someone else cashed their check before you, there'd be no money in the account.
1: Right.
2: And I was the last to get paid because I was a new guy. So my checks were bouncing. Yeah. I wasn't getting paid, but I was still going into work because I literally had nothing else to do. Sure. It was so fucking sad. that's... So, basically, they sold skateboards there, too. Yeah. So, I was stealing skateboards and bongs... Right, to supplement, to sell. To to sell so I could pay my rent. It was so fucking bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Ray moves to New York, yeah. gets a job at the New York Times, offers me a job doing wedding photography. All I can think of is just, like, the scene in Big where he goes to, like, the party and eats the caviar so, and everyone's in, like, a zoot suit. Yeah, just it's looks the looks worst. Like ass, That's all I can think of.
1: Well, you I hear, thought. yeah, the, the, I mean, this this leads into
2: <laughs> when I when I first started to, uh,
1: you know, I, I'm, I'm not even using this word lightly, you become obsessed with your photography. <laughs> it was was when I started to, yeah, it was when I was seeing your wedding photography where it's one of those things where it's, like, it feels like all the photos you take are staged which they're clearly not except obviously the ones that are clearly like posed yeah. and they obviously have been you know staged from that perspective but it like there, i mean there's life there's you know uh, love you know vibrancy if that's even a word yeah. but <laughs> it just it, it it jumped off the page and it was one of those things where it's like this is how it should look as opposed to the the common conception of a wedding photographer being like it's just, I mean, it, and on my wedding, it was one of those things where it's like, you know, my mother-in-law to like fucking yell at the wedding photographer to be like, don't take a picture of this, like this particular one. It's just like, yeah. chill, like it, it, very few people have that like positive connotation of like, oh, wedding photographer, probably a shitty person yeah. that just is like, oh, I was going to walk around with Polaroids for like, you know, $15,000 or yeah. whatever. It's like so many negative connotations.
2: Yeah, I I went into it thinking I was gonna fucking hate it. it <laughs> right, was like super bummed. But I needed they were gonna pay me like fifty dollars or something like that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 50 <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. And I did it, and it was for our labor of love. I had no idea who they were. Right, you know that was before like wedding blogs were even like a, a thing. thing. They yeah, had yeah, just yeah. started like. And I did it, and I was like, "Holy fuck!" Like it was like not even looking back, not even that cool of a wedding, not even that cool of a couple. Sure, but it was completely different than what I thought it was gonna be. Right, and I was like, "Fuck, this is actually pretty awesome." Yeah. And they had never met anyone like me before. Like, I'm a friendly guy, but I'm pretty outgoing and pretty silly. And, and Of course. You got tattoos. You're just yeah. like, who,
1: who? what's up yeah. with that kid over there? For
2: sure. <laughs> but they they liked having me around. They saw I had a good work ethic. And they they, they brought me on to the next wedding and then the next wedding and then just kind of brought me on. Yeah, it snowballed from there. So I was a, a wedding assistant with them for two years. Mm-hmm. And then I started shooting my own weddings. Outside, I was still assisting them, but I did maybe like five weddings the first year. Right. And then the next year they wanted me to come on like as an associate. So right. I actually shot under their name uh-huh. until this past year and actually just started. Right. Your own thing. Right.
1: Right. Which I think it, it was like when you announced that you, that you were, you know, separating your and doing your own diamond eyes. Right. Yeah. Where it was one of those things where it's like, it, it seemed, and honestly in a lot of the, photo, a lot of photography that you did in regards to weddings, like it, so much of it, not actually when not say so much of it, All of it is informed by capturing, you know, live events. Like, I mean, in in the way that like, not only you light it, but the way you frame it, like it's all, it's just like, yeah, you could replace some of this with like kids jumping on each other to show. And it's like, it's such a, to me, it was one of those things where it's like, it's something that you never would have immediately put together. Like, if someone was like, oh, yeah, hardcore shows, what are you talking about? There's probably some similar... Yeah. for sure. No one. But then when you see it in the context, especially through how you're
2: presenting it, it's like,
1: oh, yeah, why the fuck did no one else do that before?
2: Yeah. It's so weird. That's... I get asked a lot. Like, how, like, how do you get your approach? Like, it, it looks different than every, everything we've seen, but I can't put my finger on it. Yeah. I'm like, well, I grew up taking right. photos of five dudes in a band. Totally. And now you've got five groomsmen. And, right. You know, there's a reception where they're throwing the groom in the air. Like right. I grew up photographing people stage diving. Like, right. I know how I saw that. That's what I want to recreate. Right. You know? Now I know, you know, shutter speeds and, and how of to course. do all camera the, lighting. the, yeah, train. I know all yeah, that shit. Yeah, but yeah. My eye is centered from what I saw growing up skateboarding, like right. just a portrait of a, a skateboarder or just like, like when you, like if you look through skateboarding magazine now, like you'll see like people bring out lights and shit like that. Yeah. And yeah you have a cityscape and that skateboarder is like this bit, like tiny on the page, but he's got to stand out like in a whole sea of cars and buildings and all that so shit. So much noise. Yeah. And that's what I learned is like, how did, why was my eye drawn to that dude?
1: Right. How's it, how's he being pulled towards you yeah. when there's so much stuff that could be distracting you from whatever it yeah. is that you're obviously trying to, yeah, you're, it's like all, all you've done is like, you're just like, I'm creating an environment in which I could potentially catch the best photos. Yeah. And it's like, so, and the, and it, so many people don't even approach it like yeah. that. Where they're just like, I'll just work with this.
2: Yeah. Like, this is fine. Yeah. Like, I, my, my sheer talent will pull this out of I, it. Yeah, I can't do that. And <laughs> I think my photography is driven by t- hatred, as weird as that sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'll look at so much stuff, I'm like, God, this is so fucking bad. Oh, I totally. Yeah. And one of the best pieces of advice I, I ever got as a as a photographer was mm-hmm. like, you need to look at your work and then photos that whatever whatever field you're looking at, be it skateboarding or, or punk rock or right, fucking some cooking magazine or something sure. like that. There's images in there that will make you stop and be like, "Wow, I fucking hate that photo," totally. or "This photo is blowing my mind." Right. But you got to take a second and be like, "Why? Like, mm-hmm. why is this photo even? Why did I even stop and look at this?" Yep. But then, like, why? Why is this? Why is this inspiring reaction? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why is it making me feel something? Yeah. And I took that. All the way back to images that I would remember as a kid. Like, I would go through old thrashers or whatever and be yeah. like, you know, I remember John Cardiel, like, skating under this thing. And, like, that photo sticks out in my head. And, like, what makes it... There's a photo that uh, this dude, Todd Swank, skating under a bridge. And, like, there's this crazy shadow. And, like, just the lines in it were really cool. And it was, like, the cover of Trans World. Right. And I remember that photo. Like, after I had that talk with uh, this photographer, I was like, huh, I should go back and check that stuff out and figure out why I love it. Right. And it was this guy Jay Grant Britain took the photo, and I like went back and looked at it. I was like, oh, yeah. and like three weeks later, I took a photo, like a wedding photo, completely inspired by it. And sure,
1: like, you're like that's yeah, you can yeah. pull from that world, and it's like <clears throat> that's what's so important. I mean, I think anybody that's involved in any creative art, it's like you. I mean, for one, you have to be a fan of the process, yeah. Like, because so many people, it's like you know, at whatever level of success, like I mean, that is like that doesn't that's inconsequential. Yeah, it's like you have to enjoy. Put it, like getting inspiration, being able to put put that and apply it to whatever it is that you're doing because otherwise if you're just like, it, yeah, if you're just looking at this, oh, I I need to become this. It's yeah. like it's just a fool's errand. You yeah, know? for sure. <clears throat> There's two last things I want to hit on was um, obviously I have been involved in a subculture for a very long period of time. And obviously from, you know, I mean, weddings are not subculture, yeah. like, and so having, you know, marrying these two worlds, you're having to work with clients that clearly have like, they have a context for you because clearly they're approaching you because they yeah. like the work. Um, has it been difficult for you to like work with people that have like no context for who
2: you are as a person? Like, I mean, as far as like, it's why I put so much of myself out there yeah so like on my website like it full on like right well i put i used to I used to just have a wedding for portfolio yeah it's like wedding and music yeah so it's like, i noticed that yeah so when you look at the wedding, it's like oh this is really pretty blah 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 and then the music oh this dude's obviously not uh, a <laughs> typical wedding time, right, right right and then i make sure like there's at least a photo of me that shows that yeah. i either have my hands tattooed or my neck tattooed or whatever right. like you should know that right if, if this is yeah, gonna bum you out yeah don't hire me <laughs> a lot of a lot of my approach is weeding out the people I don't want. Yeah. I don't want to sit around and answer 10,000 emails a day yeah. because I'm in someone's price range or they're oh. near me or they just need a wedding photographer. That's Fuck true. that guy. I want, I want the person who is like, are you available this day? Yes. Shoot my wedding. Yeah. The thing I went to this weekend it was like a bunch of photographers talking about all this stuff and managing their lives and how do you do it, and blah blah blah. Right. And there's people that get two hundred emails a day and then they'll answer those two hundred emails oh. and the next day there's the response of those two hundred emails and then plus the 200. next two hundred. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, I spend hours and hours on email. I'm like, Well what the fu- Cut like, it off. fuck. Yeah. That. yeah. Right, right. Find who you find who you want to work for, cater to them, and there shouldn't be that many of them. You mm-hmm. know? There's not that many yeah hardcore kids getting married every weekend there's not that many fucking tattoos. there's not that many you know right right and those people that value wedding photography there's plenty of those people getting married but they're just like fuck it you know I'll totally three hundred dollars for some asshole to show up with a right flash and that's it and that's fine you don't have to have no but if your value is in photography hopefully they'll be able to find me hopefully they'll be able to right totally do that thing so that uh, a huge thing for me is not appealing to everybody because mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to work for those people. I did it in the very beginning. I would say yes to anything. Yeah. I got kicked out of a venue once because I didn't have a sport coat on and I'm just like, well, fuck
6: that. This. Yeah, yeah. this, you know? Right. right?
2: And there's just, nothing, there's nothing
1: in me in this. Yeah. There's right. no
2: point in it. I'm not doing the clients a service. They're not getting a hundred percent out of me because I'm not putting my heart into it because I'm yeah. annoyed and pissed. You know? Of course. Of course. Um, and I feel like uh, with portraiture and weddings and stuff like that, you being able to throw your, yourself into the photo a little bit mm-hmm. and then being able to let the person be themselves is right. huge. And if you're not comfortable, if you're just meeting your photographer that day, it's going to be weird. Totally. You know, right. If you have no common ground. And I don't know anything about football. I don't know anything about baseball. I don't <laughs> fucking watch. Right, right, right. Fucking... Yo, here's some champagne. I'm all right. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> going to talk to you about fucking Budweiser. We're not going to talk about yeah, yeah. Uh, Fucking whatever dumb TV show is on. Like, right. I, I don't give a shit. Right. And I don't want to have to talk about that. Like, right. I don't. I don't want to have common ground with a common dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying I won't shoot the wedding. Right. You're if, not. If you're They're not, doing something. Cr- I'm not. I'm not saying no.
1: You're to not everybody. closed. Right. You're not closed off to that. But you're just like you know. You know what will potentially get the, you know, not only the best results for you from a selfish standpoint, but from like a client standpoint as well, where it's like, if we're, if we're firing on like these cylinders, we don't have to be the same person. Yeah. But as long as we got this, yeah. this will probably come out okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And there's a huge power in saying no. Like there's a huge power in like if someone's talking to me and it's just, I can tell it's not going to work out, they're yeah. going to be much happier with someone else. And yeah. I can hope that someone else is going to contact me and fill on that date. I'd, I'd rather not make money off this person if I'm not going to give them...
1: 100% of myself.
2: Totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, those, I mean, I think those are
1: important lessons for anybody. Yeah. Like I said,
2: just that's in, in
1: the creative arts. It's like yeah. it's so easy to say, you know, the power of saying yes. But then there's there's so much there's so much tied up into saying yes. You're opening yourself up to things that you just may not be good at. Yeah. And of course, you need to try it at some point. Yeah. but you've done that.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> context of kids cuz I mean I'm I'm 33 yeah. and I have you know, I think our my son and your daughter are like months apart cuz my son he's he'll be 3 in uh April. Okay. And so anyways we we have a very similar experience yeah. from that perspective. And so the the context of you being, you know, married, family man and having all of this wrapped up into being like, oh, like I'm I'm from this whole weird thing that yeah. my parents clearly had no context for. You know, how does that sit in your head as far as just like, wow, Like, I'm being a dad, and, like, you know, you could have talked to me, whatever, you know, seven years ago, and be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, it definitely, you
2: know, I was definitely the guy, like, fuck your, you know, two-story house and 2.5 kids and blah, blah, blah. Right, right. Um, I was just, you know, obviously just someone full of angst, but I carry with me so much of everything about hardcore. I'm still vegan. I'm still straight edge. Yep. Everything. My wife's a tattooer. I'm a photographer. We both own our own businesses, like... I learned so much from just DIY and, like, no one's going to make what you want. You need to fucking do it. Right. You know, so that's exactly what I did. Like, I was very lost for a very long time. Yep. And when I found photography, I was like, fuck, how can I make it happen? Yeah. And I'm making it happen, and now, like, I'm literally out on my own. It's super fucking scary and frightening. and Sure. But I'm making a go at it, and I'm going to see how it works. Right. And then my wife opened up her own tattoo shop, like, in Atlanta, where she's not from, that's like super scary to do. Oh yeah, I like, hope the clientele is going to come in, and it's it's scary. But like, I'm like raising a child in a world, hoping that I can better the world. You know, right, like right. Or raising her vegan. It's not one of those things like I'm holding a gun to her head and be like, right, "Do right. you ever have
6: cheese, Yeah, you know, like I'm disowning. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: That's just silly. But <clears throat> you know, I would love to think that she'll grow up a compassionate, right, person who understands why things work the way they were. Mm-hmm. They work and the world's pretty fucked up, but you have the ability to at least make a small dent in it, you yeah, know? Of course. Yeah, 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 And that's what's important to me. Not having a kid because you're supposed to have a kid or, you know, yeah, in a house because you're supposed to live in a house. Like right. all this shit I came to on my own and I couldn't be happier with it.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's such an important point. Cause it's like, I feel like, especially within the context of, you know, of punk and hardcore and everything like that, you, you rally against so many things for obvious reasons. Yeah. But it's like the, you know, like you said, like house isn't bad. Yeah. A marriage isn't bad. Yeah. Like these, these things that are institutions that are, 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 you know, thrown up against a wall and beaten in the context of many lyrics. Yeah. It it, it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. It matters what you do with that thing where it's like, everything that you're hitting on is like so important. I think people, especially just from like when you're first getting into it and everything is like the most new and exciting thing. It's like, it's never going to be tempered when you're that age because mm-hmm. you're ah, everything, everything's new and except fuck everything. Yeah. But then it to have just, especially because like now that a lot of us have grown up in the context of this, there's, there are people to be like, Oh, I see what that person has done. And like, they've totally not become like, you know, a hollow shell of what they used to be. You know, yeah, like there's totally. these, there's these train tracks where it's like, Oh, I, if I don't, go down the you know lawyer doctor path but oh there's these other things that yeah. are kind of interesting it's well, like so
2: there's like, you know with facebook <clears> and stuff like that yeah. you can catch up with people in high school and there's people that you know girls i knew in high school that had a fucking bright orange chelsea and wore misfit shirts every day or whatever right and now they're wearing like university of georgia like <laughs> right right right, hoodies right and just like what wow. the fuck happened yeah, yeah where did this go just just right. stopped caring, stopped. Just whatever is easy. What? We're, of course. We're watching football on Friday, great. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. Let's, uh, what are you doing? Going to Buffalo Bills and right, right. It's just like, <laughs> god damn it, just yeah. gave up, you know? Right, 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 right. And I never want that to be me.
1: No, yeah. Like, well, I think I think the, the people like you and I who have who have that trigger in our head that's just yeah. been installed when we were, you know, whatever, 14, 15 years old, just yeah. like, I don't want to be like that. Like, that will, I mean, that's not going to go away. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Atlanta continues to uh, blow my mind in so many different ways especially it's like I mean where it's at right now as far as the especially what you see in the independent artistic community it's like every time I've visited down there it's always just been like it, it it always is vibrant. It goes in obviously waves, mm-hmm. but it's like now that there's so many creative things going on, I mean, like obviously that I Believe in Atlanta yeah. project and like there's something that's so inherently unique about your city. It's probably difficult to express it in
2: words. Yeah, I mean, why do you think that is? Like, I know it's just it's a huge question. It's just... I think that's the birth of I Believe in Atlanta is because no, I don't think anyone can fucking figure it out. Yeah. I've loved Atlanta. Like I've literally been everywhere. Like right. I've been to South Africa. I've been to Australia. I've been right. to fucking everywhere in the US. I've been. Sure. You've seen everywhere. It. Right. I've seen it. I've right. tasted it. I've been to that place. I've stayed there. I've right. been to these restaurants. I've done all that shit and I moved back to Atlanta. Right. And I can't put my finger on it. Right. I love it. It's my favorite place. It's fucking sketchy. Not an easy place to live. There's no fucking beach. There's no right. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'll go to play. Like I was just in yeah, Santa Barbara, and issue. it was yeah, amazing. Yeah. Like there was just rocks and waves, right. and, and it's beautiful, lush greenery. Just it was fucking awesome, right? But I'm gonna go home and be home, you know, right? And I don't know what it like. It's
1: this weird. Honestly, it's this
2: weird. The the way I've
1: observed it, it's this weird sort of like. You know, Detroit like pride of, of a city that obviously, I mean, has not fallen as hard of the times as Detroit has, yeah. where it's like, but Atlanta has obviously, it's, it's been established for a. It
2: only burned down once, come on.
1: It's true. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, it, it, it obviously has the historical context where it's like, yo, we've been through some shit. Yeah. But then it obviously is, not, it, but it has that sort of Detroit like pride. But then it also reminds me of Austin in the sense of that, just that sort of like, yo, like, there's this really weird side. Yeah. Like, you may think of Atlanta and think of, you know, sports and, you know, football and baseball and, you know, TBS and everything else. Yeah. But then it's like, and then Coca-Cola. But then there's this this, we- this undercurrent of, like, we have a lot of artistic okay. stuff happening down there. Yeah.
2: I mean, hip-hop scene, like, fucking Outkast, Ludacris. Like true. Huge hip-hop scene. Yeah, hardcore yeah. scene. Yep. Fucking Foundation. Yeah. Like, Criminal Instinct. Like, all these bands are coming out of there. And fucking great art. Great... Food, grape, everything. And everyone shouts out Atlanta. Yeah. Like, it's true. I want to say probably every fucking Outkast song somehow has the word Atlanta in it, you know? It's true, true. <laughs> and I literally... That's why I love I Believe in Atlanta is because it's everyone's take on it. Like, what do you love about Atlanta? And they'll take a photo and they'll put the hashtag on it or right. wear the shirt or something. Everyone loves it, but everyone's got different reasons for it. Totally. And literally... I've I've realized why I love photography. I realize why I love skateboarding. I still don't fucking, I don't know why I love Atlanta, but I do. Right. You still
1: can't articulate it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think what's especially inspiring about that, you know, that project of I believe in Atlanta is the fact that it's like, you know, people like myself who clearly don't live in Atlanta. And I mean, I've got, I've literally have no connection there besides the people I've met. I can look at that and I'd be like, that, that is something like that feels, that feels good. As opposed to just like you know a lot of a lot of communities like they, there's no sense of that you know
2: almost every band that comes through like yeah and just being on tour you know when a band is going through the hey what's up Tennessee every city, hey, city here in Michigan right. you know right but when we come through Atlanta they'll be like this is our favorite fucking town to play yeah and it's not that the show is huge it's not that it's the craziest show there right but everyone there has got heart everyone wears it on their sleeve and everyone fucking yeah. yeah, yeah cares yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just something i know it's amazing. i want i want to believe that it's selfish it's yeah. like being punk and hardcore whatever yeah you of know. course of course that we really fucking nurtured it like when i first like i said when i first started going to shows it was fucking skinheads they were assholes it was like totally. fights every single show right we literally had to weed those people yeah just fucking grab it and put it somewhere else and <laughs> had to fucking police our own scene for the longest time right 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 and we took great care in that like these dudes, this guy Jeff Jock, this dude Ken 2 like, yep. we booked shows and fucking cared about it and gave a shit if someone was being an asshole, gave a shit if someone was being, like, a fucking sexist, racist asshole. Like, right. we confronted, confront it. Totally. Get the fuck out of here. Like, you're not welcome. This is something we built. Right. This is art. Like,
3: that's yeah, not going to happen is, at right. some
2: club. They don't give a shit. As long as you're buying beer, do whatever you want, you know? Right, right. We didn't stand for it. And I want to think that that carried over to a pride of, like... This place is different, mm-hmm. you know? Sure, sure.
1: No, I mean, that's because all you can view is, is obviously the world that you experienced it and the context in which you're able to build it. But I mean, I think that's like that again is why obviously that I believe in Atlanta Project is so cool because yeah. it's like it, each each person is going to identify with something different. Absolutely. Even yeah. if they've come from the same place, yeah, they're going to find something that is different than the way that you view it, the way that your wife views it, whoever. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's it's there's, it's awesome.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of pride from it, and like I said, like that's only me <clears throat> coming as a punk hardcore kid, but like totally every skater, like mm-hmm. fucking, there's a low card which is out of Atlanta, through Skateboards. The guy who won fucking best skater of the year is Grant Taylor, like right. he lives in Atlanta. His father. Ran stratosphere skateboard since he skated for Schmidt stick in the fucking seventies. Like, it's amazing. Putting down their roots and fucking caring about the city and yeah. literally, I don't know why, right? But it but happens, yeah. And, yeah. It, and it's there. So there's and, a re- there's yeah. a
1: reason that people do it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> what it is, don't know. Yeah,
1: yeah. I yeah, back it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I really appreciate you hanging out. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me. This yeah, is awesome. It's like Yeah, me too. Cool. It's fun. Pretty, pretty, pretty awesome, right? I just, I get so lost. When You hear me you hear me make that noise? It's like the, uh, I just get so lost for words when I really do respect someone's work so much. And Matt is exactly that person. So visit his website, wearediamondeyes.com and find out about all the stuff he does. Great guy, supports his stuff. If you're getting married, check his stuff out. Visit 100wordspodcast.com. Visit propertyofzac.com. Next week, huge guest, Brianna Collins from Tiger's Jaw. Great episode. Sweetest girl of all time. Not of all time, but sweetest girl, because the sweetest girl of all time is my wife, you know? I kind of, not only do I have to say that, but I, I truly believe that. Anyways, until next week, be safe, everybody.